Welcome to the DJ Inspires Podcast, hosted by D'Antoine DJ Johnson, author of The Sun is Always Shining. This is episode 8. We ain't financial. Yo, what is up? It is DJ here again in the flesh, episode 8. We we getting up there, guys. We getting up there, man. I'm trying to make it to ten by the end of this year. Hopefully, I can make it. Um, with life being so crazy, um, of course, I got to give you guys the update. As you, I, I mentioned on, the, I think I mentioned on the last episode, um, I just got a job at Fox, working full time as a researcher for the show Speak for Yourself with Willock and Wiley, and so working full time again, as well as working uh, one day a week for my business as well as doing other stuff and then of course being a family man oof, I, I gotta it's hard to find time to get the podcast in but of course I have people that are counting on me to get this podcast out and I just enjoy sharing the knowledge and information that I have in my young 29 years of life turning 30 in a couple of weeks um, and so yeah man I just Whenever I can find a time to get this thing recorded, I try to make it a point to do it. And so I finally was able to get some squeeze some time in. And I really got to be better about planning this and getting it out more consistently. But I'm not going to keep crying every time I come on this web on this podcast. So I'm going to just be like, I'm going to just tell you all how it is. Let you know what's been going on. The reason why I've been slacking on the recording. Um, but yeah, just staying busy, staying busy with the family. Uh, we were out today getting Halloween specific stuff for the little guy. Um, we're, we're really not good at this holiday thing. We got to get better about it, but, um, we're working on it. But, um, yeah, that's just the update with me, the job. Um, my book is still out. The sun is always shining. You can go cop that if you have not already. Um, it's, I, you know, people try to, I'm not really good at selling myself, but I really, you know, most people have told me that it's just an inspirational story. Um, a lot of people probably can relate. Um, having gone through their own struggles and to be able to struggle and go through things and just persevere and be a resilient person um, is just, it's, I think it could relate, relate to anyone. And so the sun is always shining is out there. Go ahead and cop it if you have not. Um, all right. So today we're talking about we ain't financial. Like, what does that even mean? Um and when I came up with this topic, actually, it, it, it was brought to my attention of a friend of mine who I'm going to be introducing in a little bit here. We just had a conversation about finances and like where we want to be. And he has a goal uh, to buy a house. That is one of our biggest goals in the next two or three years. We want to be in position to buy a house. And we just started thinking like, man, like, what is it? that we're not getting about finance being financially stable or secure like what is what does that even mean and for me it's being in a peaceful state of mind as far as finances are concerned and in terms of putting yourself in good position by saving or putting yourself in good position by not being in debt um as well just setting yourself up to have a financially secure future and um it's it's a conversation that we don't have often in our communities which we are going to cover and talk about um i think extensively in the next 30 or so minutes but um i really wanted to do an episode about financials 
being secure with your money, doing the right things with your money, especially when we talk about black and brown communities. Um, we really just wanted to have a conversation about what we know at this point in time that could possibly help somebody out there as far as having good spending habits, doing the right things with your money, not not buying impulsively. And I think that's something that for me, that's an, uh, has been an issue. And it's something that I've been working on personally, where you just like, Oh, I want to buy this because I have it, you know, and, and, and having the wherewithal to know like, okay, I know I can't, I don't need this right now, especially when I'm trying to save up and get whatever I want in life as far as a house or saving up money. We got a son. So college fund is something you got to think about. And so I really, we ain't financial is pretty much a conversation about being financial. And when I say we ain't financial, like we, I'm speaking for black communities, like finances are not what we think. Like we watch TV, we watch music videos. We, we see all these things that rappers or whomever that like, black folks are just throwing hundreds at the at the strip club and just giving money away by buying chains and big houses and 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 um cars and all this material stuff and not enough information and conversations about saving and um investing and doing things that give you return on your money and give you uh financial freedom <laughs> and so let's let's talk about it. Um, my, my man Esteban Gonzalez uh, has decided to um, join me on this, and you know he's the expert, as you'll find out as you get to know him, and we we talk more about this subject. I'm really just gonna tee him up and let him go because this man, I, man, y'all y'all in for a treat. So Esteban, you want to let the people know about yourself, and um. I, I put on the notes that we met at the city of Pomona. So I'll let you tell your perspective of how we met and then we can just go from there. <laughs> got it. Got it. Well, thank you. Thank you for inviting me to your podcast. And my name is Esteban Gonzalez. As he said, I worked with at risk youth for seven years as a youth counselor, currently going into my fourth year in corrections, working with incarcerated individuals Graduated from Cal Poly Pomona in 2011 with a social science degree. I am a husband. I am a father. We can relate on that. Um, but more importantly, the reason I'm on this podcast is because I was $30,000 in debt in 2015, which is why DJ invited me here and here to share my experience, my thoughts, my opinions and goals on finances, man. And thank you for having me. Yeah, no problem. And I, so it, it, usually when people come on that I know, I always like, there's always some kind of story about how we met. And I, like I said, we, we worked at the city of Pomona together. And at the city of Pomona, we were working at the Veterans Sports Complex. Is that what it was called? Yeah. Yeah. Veterans Sports Complex, pretty much a couple of soccer fields. And we were like, like, rent a cop security i guess <laughs> for that complex yeah we were yeah, so yeah we just we just hooked up man and we just i think one of the things that attracted me about you know our friendship is hip-hop hip-hop mm -hmm. and then you have that hustle mentality i think at the time i don't know how many jobs you had <laughs> you were going to school full-time i think you were uh you were still you were still like running track right yeah 
Yeah, you were doing all that, and I, I had about three jobs. That was one of my three jobs. I was going to school full-time yeah, as well. I remember and, that, yeah. Yeah, I think that hustle mentality, that that's what really kept us, and then uh, the whole hip-hop, being in love with hip-hop and talking about it. We could relate on different levels. And not just that commercial hip-hop, like, we really got down to, like, you know, the, the whole underground scene and just the, the real raw hip-hop compared to nowadays. I mean, hip-hop has really changed. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're 30K in debt. I don't even want to talk about where we are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you were you were $30,000 in debt. Um, we are working on our debt. I don't even want to put the number out there. It's crazy. Uh, but I really, um, heck, I'm going to play this episode back and take some notes and get some information that you're about to spit out because um, some of the stuff you already told me I'm starting to implement. Just um, I won't even give it away yet, but just doing things that's going to put us in position to get rid of and take care of our debt because um, we really want to be, like I said, in a space where we're have our cars paid off, have um, credit cards paid down. And being able to, like I said, have money saved, put a big down on a house, um, and be in a position where the, the only money that's coming out is our money that we got to pay for the house and uh, other other essential bills outside. Oh, definitely. Of, you yeah. know what I mean? Like that's. I mean, but this, these are goals that if I, I don't know if it was instilled in us when we were younger, if we didn't have to essentially learn the hard way, if you didn't have to get thirty k in debt, and I didn't have to get. It, Whatever my, <laughs> let's just say 50K for the sake of this, my 50K in debt, like, if only there was some kind of information or, or things that happened in our families as we grew up that mm-hmm. helped us learn those things. Can you talk about what your upbringing was like and, and what things kind of contribute to you getting into that debt that you talked about? Well, a lot of it is, you know, it's it's not really our parents' fault. You know, we're just not financially literate. They weren't financially literate. My mother was an immigrant, you know, so she came from a different country and she was just trying to live over here, man. She was trying to hustle her way up. And uh, she my father left us at a very young age. So to even think about finances and now I talk to you about 401ks and all that is it's it wasn't even thought of. You know, when we were young, we just wanted to live like we just were trying to survive when we were kids. And, you know, that's the only knowledge we get. And you constantly hear about the public school system. They don't they don't most of them don't show you how to make uh, do your taxes. And I I heard that a lot from friends that I have now that went to. uh, What do you say? that went to like Catholic school or that, that went to private school that they learned all types of financial, you know, financial skills that we didn't learn, mm-hmm. you know, and on top of that at home, when you go back home, what are you going to learn? Like, it's not your parents fault. Your parents are trying to survive. They're just trying to work. They're nine to five, probably pull a second, third shift yep. just to make ends meet, put food on the table, man. So, I mean, that's pretty much, what my experience was as a child, you know, I didn't realize it till a couple years ago when I was, I realized, yo, like, I don't want to put my kid through the same thing. Mm-hmm. I need to, I need to pick up my game. I need to hit these books, even though nobody's forcing these books, you know, down my throat, you know, like college was, you know, where you had to read books that you didn't like just to earn that degree. When you, when you, when you're faced with something, 
like that and you don't want to go back in time and relive that, especially for your child, mm -hmm. his or her future, you're going to do whatever it takes. And that's, I came at a crossroads in 2015 and that's what happened. Man, that's deep. And I, the, the listeners have heard my story enough times um, just to kind of recap. Um, I was went into the foster care system in about fourth grade. And so, um, I mean, I, it was, that didn't necessarily mean I didn't live with people who could teach me how to do financial stuff. I remember maybe doing in high school, um, we would have to do independent living type skills as as a requirement of being in a foster care system. And they would teach us stuff like balancing checkbooks and writing checks and things like that, but nothing to the extent of like credit or, um, oh, yeah. do, you know, those things that are so important as you become an adult when you turn 18. I remember, I don't know if you had this experience. I remember the first time uh, getting a credit card. I was, I was 18, still in high school. And I got my first credit card like offer in the mail. And, oh yeah. That was exciting, man. Yeah, Right. <laughs> I'm like, Whoa, this is cool. Right. And then at that time I was on the tail end of working at my first job ever, which was McDonald's. Um, and of course, I wasn't working that many hours. I was still in high school. Yeah. So it was like 16 hours or something. I didn't even know if it was that much, especially because I was running track. And so I remember getting a credit card like, whoa, this is dope. And I, I remember buying the first thing I bought was some track shoes. I needed some spikes. And mm -hmm. so I ended up buying some off of East Bay with my credit mm -hmm. card. I remember East Bay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they, are they not no more? They're still they're still oh, okay. around, but I, like, I just remember back in the day I used yeah, to love getting their the their uh, magazines, right? Yeah, their magazines <laughs> and that is fresh, you know, looking through it, knowing knowing damn well that I couldn't I buy know. any of that. You yeah, know? but it was still nice. I was doing the same thing Check. every episode, every uh, what do you what do you issue that came out? Mm -hmm. I'd be like on it, like looking at it, like oh, this is so dope. But yeah, I ordered a pair uh, off and ended up. At first, I was, you know, making the payments minimum, not not knowing like, okay, you should pay this off because this interest is gonna get you. Nobody told me. Even, uh, even when my aunt, when I was with my auntie, you know, she wasn't really kind of giving the warnings. She was very subtle. She's like, you can get it if you want. Like, she wasn't even like, oh, you should get it. But here's what you need to think about. Like, it wasn't even that type of conversation. And so I got it, and man, I remember that. Even that summer, I, I was wasn't working at McDonald's anymore. I was working trying to figure out job situations and I just got reckless and I didn't even pay for the credit card no more. I just, I was like, well, it'll go away. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> it'll go away. Like it won't be no, it's not a big deal. And man, biggest mistake of my life, right? Talk about learning biggest. the hard way. They would call me, blow me up. Like, it, I mean, you, you, they was on it and I just, Remember, it, it got to a point where they just shut the credit card down and they sent it to collections. And then I don't I think it, it was like two or three years before I even paid that all back. Um, wow. And finally realized, like, OK, let me take care of this because my credit is not good because I, I don't even remember what it was. I think I tried to get a car or something and they mm -hmm. run my credit and it's just like, oh, you got this collection on your thing. I was like, oh man, like not even realizing the impact of that decision I made to not pay off my credit card. And oh, so yeah. that was like my first big smack you in the face lesson about like credit. <laughs> like you can't mm -hmm. be being reckless like that. You can't just be, but I remember uh, telling 
stories multiple times about having credit issues for at least throughout my college years. And another friend of mine who I knew of, uh, people were putting credits in her name. Um, it was a black, wow. black girl. Yeah. People were putting credit cards in her name before she even turned 18. And so her credit was shot before she even got to 18, which is, I think wow. is amazing that you can even do that to a person. But it's just crazy. Like how it, you can speak to Brown. I can speak to black, like mm-hmm. in those communities, how financially illiterate we are. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, we literally, for those who finally make it, if you don't have families or people around you that help you and encourage you and push you to learn these things, you literally sink and swim. Like you go out there that is in this big bad world and you are forced to figure things out on your own. And a lot of people fall and they falter. And a lot of people are able to say, okay, I learned, I got it, I got the lesson, I'm fighting through, and I'm going to push through, and I'm going to overcome this, like you have. Um, man, I I don't even know. Do you do you have any experiences where you <laughs> you didn't know, and you just had to learn the hard way? Well, yeah, dude, like, th- that's one of them. I- I've been through the whole credit card, but I, I think I-, I could top you with, uh, I actually co-signed for my cousin, I think it was in 2007, and and I was doing really good, man. I was doing good, you know, with the couple jobs I had, you know, because I've always had all types of gigs. Mm-hmm. And I had money coming in and everything. And I had one or two credit cards. And then my cousin came up to me and he said, yo, man, can you can you hook me up? I co-signed it for me. I need a car. And he was a single father, mm-hmm. two beautiful daughters. And I couldn't resist. I couldn't say no to that. You know, I'm a nice guy. I'm a yes man. Mm-hmm. That's one of my biggest like weaknesses to that. So I said yes, but I told them under one condition, man, you you know credit is everything and you know that I want to start a family someday and I want to buy a house someday. And if you don't if you don't follow through with these payments, it's gonna screw me over. And within within less than a year, DJ, I started getting calls. And I remember I went out of town one day. I was in Texas. Mm-hmm. And I got a call from the collection agency that said, oh, Mr. Gonzalez, you haven't paid us. Haven't paid you for what? Oh, uh, your, your, your cousin hasn't paid his Chrysler Sebring. And I'm like, what? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a couple years later, I mean, he told me he couldn't pay it. He apologized and learned lesson, man. Never do it again. That's another thing with family. Never, never let your family borrow money unless you know you can give it away. Mm-hmm. You know, because then it's gonna it's gonna mess up you and and their relationship, your your relationship with your family, and that's what happened. It put a strain on our relationship for a couple years, and I eventually got over it. He got over it, and you know my credit is much better now. And hopefully, I can help you guys and help your audience and whoever needs the help by sharing my experience, how I got there, and how I got up out of the debt. Yeah, no, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. Um, before we touch on it, um, first of all, I feel like we like life lost long brothers or something. <laughs> I've had a s- similar issue with family, you know, um, using my credit or my name to be able to like co-sign on things and it burned me, burned me bad. And I, I had to like fight and work really hard to like, overcome it and get my credit up to a respectable number and especially oh, yeah. with um my wife is kind of on the other end of it where her family actually helped her and 
put a credit card in her name, but make sure she paid it off and was able to like help her establish credit. And so I was always like, okay, when we get ma- like, I got to get it together. If we ever got married, especially when we were dating, cause I'm like, your credit is top notch. I'm still working on it. Like mm-hmm. that was always my motivation to like, get it, get it together. Um, but real quick, before we even get it to just the, the points and the things that you have for the audience today, um, can we talk, and you, I think you shared a little bit, but let's talk a little bit more about why, why is it so hard to be financially sound in black and brown communities? What do you think is going on? I think it's just the resources, man. Like, this is just my opinion, just the resources. And, and I really believe we don't have the opportunities. If you notice, we, in the black and brown community grow up in the toughest neighborhoods you know we always have to struggle you know but at the same time it's no excuse where the numbers are never in our favor you know and we have to take responsibility for our decisions but i always hear one thing is that and this is just my opinion hopefully nobody takes it the wrong way this you know we're always looking to play the victim and not looking at our choices our our decisions that we make just because we live in bad neighborhoods doesn't mean we can't do better for ourselves, you know, but I'm fully aware that, you know, some of these people, like when I share my story, I'm, and I'm going to tell you my story, like some of these people that I read and that I would listen to these financial gurus, they didn't grow up in the same neighborhood as I did. They didn't they weren't raised in the same household as I was. They didn't experience the same trials and tribulations. And that's one thing that we we don't want to listen to that part of uh what do you call it? You don't want to listen to them. Them and when I say them is like the people that have their stuff together. You know, when we're struggling and we always make an excuse, oh, because you're not this, you're not that, you didn't go through this, you didn't go through that. But they might have some advice that we might actually, we can utilize and hopefully become financial independent. And what I said earlier, it, when my case, it had to do a lot with my mother. She comes from a different country. She was here trying to survive and trying to make it in America. And that's my experience with it. With the whole, with our culture, with the whole uh, brown culture, it has to do a lot with first generation, second second generation for my neighborhoods. Yeah, I, and I think we talk about um, segregation or racial bias, uh, just different things that are kind of <clears throat> put in place to quote unquote keep the black man down so to speak <laughs> without saying it in a better way um but when you think about so people always say slavery was so so many years ago right um, slavery ended and then from slavery until about 1960s 65 there was essentially residual slavery by segregation and segregation meaning you got to drink at a certain water fountain if you're colored. You got to go to a certain bathroom if you're colored. I mean, guarantee, I guarantee, I mean, you almost can, you can almost be sure that <laughs> you weren't allowed to buy certain houses or live in certain neighborhoods or, or go to certain banks or get the same education that whites were getting. And so 
all these things have kind of factored in and kind of evolved into what we have today. And people always get mad, like black people always mention, like, why do they always talk about slavery? Why do they always talk about this? And it's just like, literally, our grandmothers, <laughs> our grandmothers, who are most are still alive, in my age at least, um, people that are my age still have their grandmothers. Our grandmothers were dealing with segregation. Like, yeah. that's how close that is to us. So you, you're going to tell me that there aren't people still from that generation in terms of white folk who don't still have those same beliefs, who don't still have those same ways of thinking. We, we can see it. You could look on the internet. You could look at what our, pre- what our president has incited. Um, and I don't want to turn this into a political thing, but I think it's just an important thing to mention when you talk about us being, we're starting a race and the competition has a 50 meter lead on us. And guess what? Definitely. We're running a 100 meter race. <laughs> so it's like, God, another example is you're running a four by one and you're the anchor and you get the baton, but your team, your team is almost down by 300 meters. Like you're not overcoming that. You yeah, same exactly. boat can't overcome a 300 meter. <laughs> so it's just like you're behind in the curve, but I, you, you make such a good point. Like, yes, we can sit here and be upset. And yes, we can sit here and be angry that we're behind and, and things haven't gone our way for a good portion of this country's history. But are we just going to keep sitting down and crying about it? Or are we going to like do something about it? Are we going to make the most out of any opportunity that comes our way? Um, mm-hmm. And for you, it sounds like you put your work in and you did what you had to do to make it happen. Um, I had that same kind of work ethic and and just ability to say, hey, I got this idea where if I just work hard, eventually something good is going to come out of this. Um, And I think just for our communities, we got to understand like, yes, times are tough. Yes, we haven't necessarily learned, but that's not an excuse to learn. That's not an excuse to not get educated. We got to educate ourselves because the education is not coming from our schools is not coming from our our parents or our grandparents and something that we have to do ourselves. And so with this podcast, we ain't financial. Like you educated yourself and, and through our conversations, I thought it was just so good and so rich that we needed to share with everybody else. So with that being said, this is going to turn into an Esteban podcast. Mm-hmm. But the DJ Inspires podcast is going to sit back and, and, and take notes. And I'll, I'll chime in whenever you need and want me to. But um, let's start with just how taking responsibility of our financial decisions. Talk to us about that. Well, let me let me just go back to actually my my story, how I got oh, out yeah. of debt. And okay. then I'll definitely give you guys the key points and what helped me. So pretty much 2015, my son was born, $30,000 in debt. I was on family leave. I started reading a lot, self-help books, financial books, time management books, you name it. I came across this TED Talk by some guy named Adam Baker titled, Sell Your Crap, Pay Your Debt, and Do What You Love. And in this video, he talks about his own experience, which is similar to mine's at the time. He, But he poses this question in the beginning and the ending of the video, and it's pretty much, what does freedom mean to you? 
He talks about consumerism being a problem, how we start identifying ourselves with physical material things, how we created a multi-billion dollar industry to store our old crap, like U-Haul storage units, just to make room for new crap. He also talks about a cycle of work, buying, and debt, and how we, we feel stressed because we are overworked, not just at home, but at work as well, our place of, places of employment, that we eat or we buy more than we actually can consume or that's actually healthy for us, financially healthy for us. And at the end of the day, our excuse is we deserve it because we work hard, knowing that we don't got the money in the first place. <laughs> but where Adam got me is when he said, imagine how much more opportunity and flexibility would be in your life if you could remove the stress and the weight of your debt. And at that time, that's what freedom meant to me. So I took this information and I applied it in my own life. I looked around all over my house and everything was game, man. I started looking at my PS3, my furniture, my electronics, you know, and I started putting everything on Craigslist, on Facebook Marketplace, started selling all my stuff that I really didn't use. And, you know, I'm a new father, so, you know, I know damn well I'm not going to be playing no PS3 with the newborn. You know, so that gets tossed, uh, that gets sold, and I started studying my spending behavior to find out the areas I could eliminate or spend less, like fast food or my gym membership. Yeah, from entertainment subscriptions and, and shopping, from there I created my budget and I made sure I tracked every single dollar. And at the around the same time, I had applied for a part-time job, which is now currently my full-time job. And that money, I learned my primary source of income, which was my full-time job, to just to live off of that. So my part-time money was used to attack my debt. And within two years, man, I, I got rid of my credit cards and my car loans and, you know, pretty much everything. It just took us really just two years to pay it all off. And, yeah. it, you know, it's so funny, like so much of, for instance, you, you buy a new car and... I think my car, when I first got it, was 48 months, mm -hmm. um, which is about four years. Is that the math? Yeah, four years. Mm -hmm. And when you think about all the interest that's being piled up over the four years, like I, I honestly feel like I had my car since 2015. My car essentially could have been paid off um, if it had not been for the interest. And, you know, I pay, I pay. It was like two thirty, two forty five, two fifty sometimes off my car. And yeah. about two ten of that, close to two hundred, actually goes to the principal payment. Forty or fifty dollars of that payment goes to interest. <laughs> when you actually like really think about that. So when you, when you say something like, Hey man, I was able to pay off my debt in two years, um, two things I, I got from that. The first, residual income. Meaning mm -hmm. having extra income coming into your household that you can play with, not necessarily add it to your monthly budget and being able to say, oh, my budget's bigger now. I can spend more. But having the mindset of like, oh, I have extra money coming in. So this is what I want to do. I want to pay debt off of this. And I 
luckily we are blessed enough to be in a position where we can have that um, with all the extra jobs that I have. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, like that's the next plan. Like once we are able to kind of overcome this hump that we put ourselves in over the summer, when I made a commitment to quit my last job, um, we have committed to saying, okay, let's, let's aggressively tackle, attack our debt and put ourselves back in a really good position because we're not we're not comfortable right now we're very uneasy financially and it's not a great feeling especially when you talk about the most important thing that you mentioned your son we have a son as well you know he was born last year 2017 and that really changes and puts things into a very different perspective and we can't allow the decisions that we make today um, as I, I just actually post a video on my Instagram t- talking about starving your now and feeding your future. Well, mm-hmm. nobody wants to do the most, the unpopular thing of starving, right? Yeah. When you talk about starvation, it's the lack of having something. Most of the times it's out of your care, but when you starve yourself intentionally, and we're not talking about starving yourself for food, we're, we're talking about starving yourself from the things that make you happy or excited or pretty much gets in the way of things that you actually need to get done. That's going to cultivate and nurture your future. Um, yeah. You're just sacrificing yeah, pretty much. You're yeah, suffer- sacrificing, <laughs> you know, for the better of your future. Like yeah. you just said. Yeah. No, good point. Yeah. And so when you're starving, you're not like for us, like we got to get out of this mindset of like, okay, I think we've kind of are by not even by choice, but just we've kind of been forced. We used to do stuff like go out to eat every other week. Um, hmm. We used to be at our back steakhouse hitting up the clam chowder like religiously. <laughs> um, and that's, I don't even remember the last time we went to Outback. Um, <laughs> we, we have cut down that. We don't go to the movies as often. A lot of that is because of our, our son being born, but, um, we just don't do a lot of those stuff already. And so we're already a, a, a step ahead is in terms of things that we used to do maybe last year that we don't do this year. Um, and then we just got to keep taking more steps forward. Like, I think the most important thing that everybody's going to get out of what you're talking about today, the things that you're going to share is this is going to be baby steps. Like this is going to yeah. be something that you got to commit to over a long period of time. You're going to, you're going to have to be, ah, man, looking for personal like satisfaction throughout this 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 commitment that you guys are going to embark on but at the end of the day as i mentioned in my my post about starving and now feeding your future you are literally you are going to look back and and thank yourself and say man i am so glad i did that i'm so glad i did that so thank you for for bringing that to the forefront because you just you you helped me go off now just a little bit ago <laughs> yeah but, but i like i like your whole starve starve your now so you can feed your future it's kind of like one of the dudes i was reading like dave ramsey he's a, one of those financial gurus his quote is if you live like no one else later you can live like no one else i don't know if you could get that so you live like like nobody wants to live so you could live later like yeah. nobody else is living no. nobody wants know? to save that's nobody wants to like exactly. not be able to go to the movies or go out to eat or buy nice stuff for themselves <laughs> they want to do all those things, but if you really want to live the life that you want to live in the next, I always say five to ten years, like you got to do the 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 unpopular stuff right now. Definitely, definitely, me and 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 I'm gonna and I'm gonna go back. I know we're all over the place, but we touched on the reason why I'm I want I want 
not to educate like the people, my loved ones, my friends, but just the whole community, my community. So we can have a, I'm tired of having the others, other people, like the 1% having a head start. There's a reason why they have a head start. Their children have a head start is because they teach their children some of these basic financial skills that some of us are not getting, which is why we can never improve our finances, you know, and it affects the Hispanic and black communities the most, you know, you look at the poverty rates, you know, income, wealth, and education influence where we live. That's important because that determines who receives the good quality schooling, great employment opportunities, and the safest neighborhoods, you know, and education is generally a prerequisite for a desirable career, which comes with that desirable income and the benefits. So finances, you know, interconnects with all these things, you know, just your income, wealth, and education. It connects with all this. If you can afford, if you can afford it, you can put you and your family in a position with the higher chance of success. Yeah. I mean, isn't that crazy, dude? Like, which is why we're stuck in the same, you know, I'm not going to say all of us, but the majority of us, the minority population is stuck in the same, you know, the same step all the time. We're always in the same areas, always on the bad side of town because the bad side of town is the cheapest to live in. Yep. You know, and we live in these conditions by living in these conditions. We produce stress and family disruptions that affect our parenting, our leisure time, physical and emotional well-being. And if our parents are struggling and they expose their children to stressful and traumatic events in the household, like not paying rent because they can't pay rent. They're stressed out about that. They can't keep the light on. Mm -hmm. They're numbing their pain with alcoholism and drug abuse. You know, that has an effect on the child. Mm -hmm. You know, education and childhood experience de develop the young minds. And that influences our readiness to attain, you know, problem-solving skills and control over our life circumstances when, when we grow up. And that's that's why I, I'm so into this, man, because it... It really hits the core. You know, we need to educate ourselves in every aspect. Yeah, such a very important point. It's 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 this really is the key to putting ourselves in a good position. So, you want to talk to us about how do we how do we start to take responsibility for our financial decisions? Well, first, first we gotta like I was talking to you the other day. Like I have these five keys to financial success, right? And going back to my story, like. Number one, let's gather our loose change and monitor our spending behavior. And what I mean by gather up loose change is, you know, find things that you don't need. I was telling you a story about this guy, Adam Baker, and how, you know, he was looking around his house like it felt like he was always trying to keep up with the Joneses. You know, they always needed the newest thing. And, you know, that didn't really add value to their life. That just try to impress people that you don't even like and they don't even like you in the first place you know so that's one thing Let, let's tr try to go around our house and sell things that we don't even use we can use that money that we sell from these possessions that we no longer use to attack our debts and save hmm. you know from that point we can start looking at our little luxuries you know our netflixes our comcast bill and and either eliminate it or replace it with something cheaper. 
you know, I know a lot of friends that don't have that contract T-Mobile bill. They got that $30 a month T-Mobile bill now, mm-hmm. you know, because the whole unlimited $80 stuck to a contract. If there's a hiccup emergency and you can't pay that bill, they're going to hit you with some fees. Mm-hmm. So now they're, now they're signed up to this $30 a month thing. And then, uh, gym memberships. There's a lot of people that sign up to gym memberships. They don't even, they don't even go out and use the gym membership at all. When you could literally just pick up some dumbbells, do some pushups, jog around the block or at the park, you could save $30 a, $30 a month. No, so and you that, write down my neighborhood right there because I was literally doing that, paying $30, $35 a month coming out of my credit card at that. And I would probably go two or three times a month. And mm-hmm. it was just like I finally got to a point as shortly after a conversation that I had with you. I'm like, do I just need to cut this? Like I was hanging on to it just so I could hoop. And I'm like, look, I got a basketball court around the corner. I can figure out a way if I want to ball indoors one day. But, like, I'm not about to keep wasting money, spending spending money on a membership that I'm not consistently going to. Especially now that I have the Fox job. They they do have a gym on the lot that I could utilize. And so if I really need to go, then I can go there. But I'm not about to keep paying for this. Um, And so that was a good, good, good suggestion by you. Yeah, and then from there... That's when you start looking at your top spending categories, your housing, your food, and your transit. You know, maybe, maybe, I mean, this is a temporary sacrifice. Maybe you should live in a cheaper area. Maybe instead of that two bedroom, you should move into a one bedroom just for a limited time until you could pay off your debt. Maybe you should live with the in-laws and just deal with their drama for a bit. You know, um, same thing with food, cut down on food. I mean, sure, there's not going to be no Outback Steakhouse, but maybe you could still grill, grill steaks at home. You know, just don't go crazy with it. A lot of people tend, what they tend to do is like, they'll cut, they'll cut the Outback, the, the Black Angus, you know, but they'll still buy that filet mignon that's real expensive and cook it at home. You know, try, I'm, that's good and you should do it every now and then, but, you know, a lot of us grew up poor, and I remember my mom making just rice and beans and quesadillas, and that was a cheap alternative to fill our tummies up, you know, rather than, you know, the same, rather than a big steak with a, a nice salad on the side. And, and I'm not saying don't eat healthy, but try to eat as cheap as possible, you know, that way you can get back financially healthy, you know what I'm saying? So from there... After your food, you go into your transit. Maybe that, maybe you don't need two cars. Maybe you or your spouse can agree on a certain route. Maybe one of you can carpool with their coworker. There's, there's a lot of things you can do to save money. Uh, maybe one car could be used for the weekends. The other car could be used for the week. There's a lot of ways to cut spending. So from there, I suggest try create a side hustle. You're, you're working on your business, DJ. And at the same time, you have, you have this great opportunity that presented itself with Fox. You're still making money, still you have all these other gigs, but you know that side that business could one day be your primary source of income mm-hmm. to where you can literally run it on your own. It's gonna be more than enough to, you know, provide for you and your family. You know, so I suggest maybe some you guys could create a side hustle or get a part time job. But the most important thing is 
Learn to live below your means and be contempt with the original source of income. So if, if the reason I tell you to monitor your behavior is so you can get used to how much you spend, that primary source of income, you're going to get it every month and then you're going to compare and then you're going to decide how much money do I need just for the essentials. All you're doing is living off the essentials. We're not telling you to be literally starving like you said a minute ago. We're not telling you to literally starve. Just try to live below your means until you get your act together, your finances together. And then from there, create your budget, track every dollar. You know, and I think that's creating a budget and tracking every dollar. That's like a lifelong skill that you need to do for the rest of your life. So this never happens again. I think with anything, you know, with your health, with your diet, you should keep track of how you're doing in life. You know, keep tabs on what you're doing wrong. Catch yourself. Before somebody else does. So that's that's pretty much step step number one. Do you want me to introduce the second step just to give you a little breather? Maybe? Oh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you can just kind of elaborate. I could I could read them through. So the second step that my man um, Esteban had for us as a five as part of the five keys to financial success, um, you got to be safe and you got to negotiate. Um, yeah. Part of that is having an emergency fund for financial hiccups along the way. I know Dave Ramsey, one of the first steps to financial success, I think, if I remember correctly, is saving a $1,000, having a $1,000 emergency fund. Because mm-hmm. um, most people don't have that in their savings. Um, and it's something, as we work towards getting our debt taken care of, one of the things that I've been working on is putting money aside so we can save up to 1000 Because... You're gonna have emergencies. It's gonna things that happen that 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 go down. Um, just a few weeks ago, uh, the kiddo got real real sick to the point where he was having a hard time breathing. Woke up out of his sleep crying. We had to go to the emergency room. That's two hundred and thirty five dollars. Okay. Um, luckily at the time we had it, but like we can't have no hiccups where stuff like that goes down, and we don't even have the money to take care of that. Like, come on, man. Like you gotta. Put yourself in a better position. So having that emergency fund is key. Like I said, Dave Ramsey has talked about a thousand, but if you can't make your way up to a thousand, I mean, I mean, obviously you can do little by little, but 500 may be a goal for you, but whatever it is, having that financial emergency fund. Um, second thing is a part of, part of uh, being safe and negotiating. You got to find out if utility companies have programs for low income families or low energy users. Um, every now and then on my um, electric bill, you get something like, I don't even, do you know, it's like a credit. Sometimes you get to your electric bill. So sometimes yeah, I get that California credit. Yeah. yeah. It's nice <laughs> when I see that, but, oh, man. but you know, I'm, yeah, I'm also part of the, you know, we make a lot more money than, than we did. Um, but I'm also part of that low energy users program. You know, you, you kind of set your limit. And if you, if you meet that limit, they kind of credit you in a way, mm-hmm. you know, they give you like a little rebate. You know, but yeah, we occasionally see that little California credit. I think it's like a save save the environment credit. It, mm-hmm. It's always nice to see, man, get that lower electric bill. Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, I suggest people really look into those programs, especially like if you're not making the most. Like if if you meet that um, low income status, you should definitely sign up for that. I know my mother when we were younger, she was always. Uh, she was always signing up for those programs and our gas bills, man, they were like $15, $10 at times. And I'm like, what? And my mom just cooked all day. She didn't, 
Yeah. You know, <laughs> went out and ate. <laughs> and I was like looking at the bill. I'm like, why is my mom getting this all cheese? Because we were part of that low income, low income families program, you know, and then of course, call credit companies and finance companies and negotiate. Uh, no interest fees, lower APR, skip a payment. They got all these programs. It, it yeah. doesn't hurt to call them, you know, and get a better deal. Or, or you know, I had a Target credit card, and I, I was really behind on payments. And I called the lady, and I told him, hey, can, is there any way you guys could help me out? She offered no interest for six months. That gave me enough time to pay the whole credit card off and not accrue any type of interest. Mm. Same thing with Toyota. When I was paying that car note around Christmas time, they offered some skip a payment thing where like you sign up, you tell them how many months you need. I think the most was like two or three. Mm -hmm. And then for those months, you don't have to pay them their, your car note, Mm -hmm. but I know why they do it is because they want you to use that money for Christmas gifts you know, to be an actual consumer, Yeah. you know? So, but I used it strictly to pay off my debt. My car note was $340 a month. That three, 340 was going to Capital One, was going to Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. And that's what really helped me. So I don't know if you can relate on that. Yeah, no, I haven't, um, I haven't negotiated in those terms. Um, the, I think the best thing I did for myself, um, I moved my Bank of America credit card to a credit union credit card um, going. I think I'm sure my Bank of America APR was like 24, 25 because I think mm-hmm. it started off as a secured credit card because I was working my way back to getting my credit together. And then I finally earned unsecured credit card status at Bank of America. And then eventually when I got into the credit union, um, I made the move to move it to the credit union because I literally went from a 24, 25 APR to like, I think my APR now is like a 10, yeah. a nine or a 10. So almost half that. <laughs> so yeah, that's pretty good. Um, yeah. So I, I, I did something like that where I searched out different, uh, APR, lower APR. And when, when you have a, you, they do these things called balance transfers for those out there that don't know where you mm-hmm. have a, you take the balance transfer from one credit card and transfer it to another. Um, and so if you have the opportunity, you know, credit cards are out there. I have them still working on paying them down. But if you have them, one of the solutions that you could do is look for credit cards that are, have a lower APR than maybe your credit card and then just balance transfer that. And then that works out to be a cheaper option for you as far as not having to pay as much interest on the credit card that that you've accrued. So, um, yeah, definitely from that standpoint, I could speak to, but skipping the payment and interest fees and things like that. But even being with the credit union, like I remember one time, uh, we were, we were going to be late on a payment on the credit card. Um, just a couple of days late, not, not too, not, nothing crazy. And mm-hmm. I called him like, Hey, you know, just wanted to let you guys know, going to, you know, pay this a couple of days late. I hope that's okay. They're like, oh, you got like 15. I, I feel like she said 45, but I, I'm going to just say 15 because that sounds better. But basically I had so many days after the payment is due to pay the credit card off or to pay that payment. Yeah. So they weren't going to fault me for a late payment or anything just because I have, oh, she called it a grace period. I want to say it was 45, but that just seems so crazy. But I, I feel like it was something like that. And I was like, oh, man, no, it, like, is it shocked me. <laughs> it is something like that. Yeah, right? yeah no, like <laughs> yeah, 45 that's how they get grace you. period. So I was like, oh, I didn't even know that. So now that gave me even like, but it, 
let's go to another thing. I have a credit card for the business and I forgot, you know, that it was a payment for that. And mm-hmm. on the flip side of that, having a credit card that's not necessarily a friend of yours, so to speak. Um, I was late on that payment <laughs> and got mm-hmm. a couple of fees because of that, you know? So just we, if you, if you do do it, if you do happen to feel like you need a credit card or it's just something that you need, I mean, for the most part we do you travel and do things like that, but, um, making sure you have the credit card that, that, that is beneficial to you and helps you and, and doesn't hinder you, doesn't give you a hard time about having that credit card. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And you know, more importantly, like I, I felt to mention is, uh, don't use these credit cards. You know, what I would do, what I did is I shredded all my credit cards. I got a scissor and cut them in half, man. That way I didn't have to use them anymore. But I did, I did do that transfer. There were, there are credit cards off that offer 15 months, I think 12 months or a year or less than that to where they offer no interest. There's just a small fee to balance, to transfer your balance from another credit card company. And I mean, that could be nice as long as you're, you know that you're going to pay it off before mm-hmm. that interest kicks in because that interest is no joke. They'll hit you with the high one. Yeah. No, very good point. So your next key that you have up here, you want to let the people know? Oh, yeah, it's pay off debts. So finally, you've got your stuff together. You you found all this money. You've monitored your behavior. You you got like a safe cushion, a little emergency fund. You've already negotiated. So now you know where all your money's going. Um, you have two methods to pay off your debt. One method is the smallest to largest balance. It's a great psychological method because you have your smallest credit card, your smallest balance credit card that once you pay it off, you feel so like it gives you a rush, like you've accomplished something big that you want to keep going. You want to go on to the next one and pay it off. Or there's a second method, which is you line up your highest APR to your lowest APR and pay off the one with the highest interest first. Usually they say that's that's the one that makes the most mathematical sense because you're accruing the most interest, obviously, in the one that has the highest APR and you're giving away more money. But I went with the first method only because I like accomplishing goals and doing them as fast as possible. And, you know, that just made a lot more sense for me. So I did that. So when you're under this step, you also got to pay your minimums on all your debts except the one we are focused on. So if your minimum balance for like a Target or a Best Buy card is like 15 and then you're working on a different one, just pay that 15 and pay it on time until you get to that credit card. Once you paid off a credit card, whatever money you were using towards the one that had just been completed, you got to move on to the next one. So all the money you were using to pay off that last credit card transferred to the next one. And you just rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat all the way to the end. It's pretty simple. Hey, pretty simple stuff. Oh, that's good. I mean, it's simple to say in terms, but um, I know a lot of a lot of us have problems and issues really taking a step towards taking care of our debt. And so smallest to largest is something that I've heard before. Highest to lowest APR was something that's, that you introduced to me that was new. Um, but right now, I mean, are you, are you, you, you to a point where you do, you, you have no more credit cards, no more debt. 
Yeah, no more. Yeah. No more. It's all it's all done. Yeah, so at this point you're well we'll we'll share a little bit about what what's going on with you as far as now that you're over the hump. But uh you wanna you wanna talk to him about yeah, the financial tune up number four? Number four, uh this is this is where you paid off all your debt, so you're off to number four. Now you gotta make your money work for you, you know? Maybe that savings and checking account wasn't working for you. When I paid off my debt, I think I still had the Chase. And Chase was charging me, I think, like 10 bucks a month just to bank with them. And I was like, these dudes is crazy. Mm-hmm. So I got with the credit union that offered, you know, good stuff, like had good benefits, like free, you know, checks, uh, money orders, uh, all types of stuff, like other benefits that, Chase was charging me. Those bigger banks, they usually charge you, you know. Mm-hmm. So I would say find a savings and checking account that benefits your short-term and long-term goals. You know, whether it be a house, you know, also best interest rates, your children's college fund, home loans, investment options, you know, different things that that will help you. And I don't know if some of the people know this, but I actually didn't really notice and pay attention. But when you put your money in savings account, there's interest mm-hmm. that adds up, you know, so try to find one that has the most interest that will make your money grow when you're not even looking, when you're asleep, you know, so that's very helpful. And another thing that's been growing these past couple of years is banking. I know in the black community, banking black has become something big. You know, it's good. It's, it's good. It's another good way to give back to your community in a mm-hmm. way. You know, I honestly don't really know if there's, Hispanic Latino banks out there mm-hmm. and I need to do more research on that but what a good way to you know to actually help out your your community in that aspect you know we always hear that people get discriminated against because they're not you know approved for home loans maybe because of where they came from or the mm-hmm. color of their skin and what a good way to uh contribute to your community then you know, to bank with the people that you grew up with, the people that you know, your culture. You know, I think it's a it's it's a good way to to invest also. And yeah. they're becoming very popular. Yeah. No, I know uh I think uh T I and uh what's that other guy from from the whole goody mob and the Atlanta scene that Outcast brought up Killer Mike. I think uh-huh. they have a bank in Atlanta or they're trying to start I know they've they've taken the, back their whole community out there and yes. bought a lot of businesses trying to trying to do better for their community. That's I think that's very exciting, man. It's so cool no, that they can help out their community like that. You know, so also in the step is uh, if you haven't already done so, definitely in, apply and enroll in uh, your pre-tax retirement account. I know we're young in our twenties and thirties, man, but retirement. Remember the retirement age? What is it like in their your sixties? That's a yeah, couple sixty five. <laughs> yeah, that's a couple years away, man. I mean, like I'm third. Look, I'm thirty four, and no, actually, I'm not thirty four. I'll be thirty four next week, and it went by quick. I mean, I'm already married and I have a child, but you know, that's thirty more years alive, and I'll be able to retire, but. It, you should be thinking about that. 401ks, 403bs, 457s. At my job, we have a 457 pension plan. You know, at my previous job with as a counselor, we had the 403b. Usually, that's for nonprofits and uh, 
um, individuals in education, like teachers, you know, and that helps your money grow. And, and if you, if your employer matches your contribution, there is no excuse because that's free money. You know, that some employers match up to 8%. And if you can't match that, I mean, and this is money you don't see because this is pre-tax money. Mm-hmm. So the government is taking all your money. You might as well send some of that money, you know, to your 401k, to your savings account for retirement. Yep. So that's a good way. And um, one of my last steps from this step, one of my last things is, uh, and it's optional, it's for the people that are disciplined and is to make credit cards work for you. You know, I don't know if you guys heard of cashback points and travel rewards. We signed up when I had finished my debt. Me and the wife signed up for the Chase, what was it the Chase Freedom or the Chase Sapphire? And if you spend a certain amount in a matter of months, you get all these travel rewards mm. that you can utilize for little trips. I know we what we did is we we did all of our recurring payments, like our gas, um, our rent, our our like Netflix, our all your, all of our utilities and our phone bills. They're on auto pay, and so we basically got free trips for paying our bills. Hmm. You know, and at the end of the month, when your your statement is due, you have that on auto pay, and it, it just deducts from your checking account. So you, you don't have the hassle. You don't have to have the hassle of constantly going online and making sure you pay everything on time. Just have that on auto pay. You know, it eases your mind a little bit. Ah, you know what? Can I just speak for the real people out there? That, mm-hmm. um, that auto pay is the devil, man. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, is it? <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I, man, I, I think. What, what it is. And if I can, I mean, I'm speaking personally, but I feel like okay. people can relate to this. Um, it's just that fear of like one day not having in your account when they pull out that auto, auto pay. Um, uh-huh. and for me, it's like, I want to, I want to make sure that it's getting paid at the time that I need it to get paid. But you're right. Like what that ultimately comes down to is that you put yourself in a position to spend your money right where you can do an auto pay, take care of your bill, have your bills essentially take care of yourself because essentially every single company is doing auto pay. Um, and some companies are even offering incentives um, oh, definitely. For, for auto pay. And so, yeah, no, auto pay is something that relieves the stress and puts you in a good mindset. But I think so many people don't do it just because the financials are just not there. And they're always afraid that one day you might just get overdrawn or, um, too much money might go out or you just got caught at the wrong time or forgot and just wasn't, wasn't prepared. And I, and I think people just have to be better about managing their money. Um, and so, Oh yeah. But remember DJ, remember <clears throat> what step we're in. Ah, we are in that we're, step. Yeah. We're in step four. <laughs> yeah. Good so one. we're not living check to check anymore. Ah. We've already, we've already covered all that. We're not debt. We're debt free now. You know, this is our financial tune-up. Mm-hmm. This is where we start looking our money. We already have a good amount of money saved up. We should have a good amount of money saved up. And it's going in different places. Why not take advantage of that? But I totally understand. You know, I, I think I had, when I had uh, paid, paid off my debt and I signed up to this, there was a month where uh, an auto pay withdrew from my checking account. And I didn't have the right amount, but I had so much in my savings that 
they gave me like a little courtesy, uh, what do you call it? Like a little courtesy transaction, uh, a waiver, like fee waiver, mm. because that, that hasn't happened to me in a while. Yeah. You know, so, and they looked at how much money I had in my savings account and they just, they just pulled from that account the amount of money needed for my savings account and placed it in my checking account. And a lot of banks offer that if, if they feel that there's not enough money in your checking account to be withdrawn for your payment that they'll, they'll dip in your savings account mm, yep. without a, yeah, without a fee, without like some type of penalty. And that's what happened at, at that time. But I, I totally understand, but that's just another way to ease yourself from having constantly have a day where you're running errands and then you forget, Oh shoot, I need to pay my electric, electric bill. But remember it's, it's step four. So we should already, we should already be good. Like, we should be in a good place when it comes with money, when it comes to money. We're not in step four yet for our family and where our finances are. So I think I was thinking like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Step four. But when you say it like that, no, that, that well, by the time I get to step four, auto pay will not be an issue. So very good point. Oh yeah. Yeah, very definitely, man. And I was there. I was, I was at that point, man. I, I wouldn't press uh, submit until I actually saw that money, physically saw that money in my bank account. Yeah. Yeah. Step five. Uh, my my last step, man. Live live life and give back. You know, just reflect on your journey. Um, what got you there? And I mean, try to decide what's your next move. By this by this time, like you should have a good amount of money, like going in the right places. You should already be uh, putting money in your retirement account. You should have a savings account. You should know uh, what your short term and long term goals are. What is your next move, man? Like a European trip. Maybe you want to go back to school and going back, going back to what I was saying, you know, what does freedom mean to me and financial freedom? Now you're not tied to anything. You don't know. You don't owe anybody. You know, you could take a risk. There's there's people that I was reading about that retire early, man, that take a sabbatical, a whole year sabbatical, you know, just maybe so they could go back to school or live in another country and. Wouldn't that be so cool, man, to just to get away from that nine to five because you have the money to do it? You can actually go back to school, get a career change, settle down, start a family and start a business, you know, invest in real estate. Something that I'm doing now, like we have a good amount of money now that we're house shopping and we're taking it day by day, man, just enjoying the different areas, all that we're and we're we're being really petty. I was telling my wife, we're being really petty, you know, uh, considering the, the neighborhoods that we grew up in, we're being really petty. Like we're talking about Rancho Cucamonga, Upland, Chino Hills. Like it's crazy that we, we have those, those options available because of where we're, where, where we're at right now. And also don't forget where you came from and the people who are still struggling to live. And, you know, I, there's still family members that will still call me and ask like, Hey man, can you help me out with this? You know, and I don't mind helping. If I, if I have the money to give away, I'll give it away. You know, anytime a friend is, is going on some type of marathon and they want me to donate, I'll go ahead and donate because at the end of the day, man, like they're doing something good for them, for the community. Mm-hmm. It's, that money's not going into a bad place. It's helping out, helping out a foundation, you know, so. Think about that. Think giving back to your community financially or, or anyway, you know, now you have time to do it. 
think about volunteering, donating, mentoring, you know, and the whole thing is just about pursuing your happiness and helping others along the way. And I, I think that's what you're doing, DJ. I'm hoping to do that with this whole financial uh, success, the keys to financial success. And that's what we're trying to do every day, man. Just live life and pursue happiness, help others along the way. Yeah. I, I, man, I, if I had like a clapping um, <laughs> sound effect, I would like put it in there. But I think as we kind of sum this thing up, just all, all these things are going to be if if you, the listener, decides, OK, this was good. I'm going to write all this stuff down. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to. I'm going to I'm going to take a change. I'm going to take a step toward changing my life and doing the things that I need to do to get financially right. Um, as um, Esteban has encouraged me, um, I already have me and my wife have always had conversations about being in the right space financially. But as I said, when we when I made a decision to quit my job in June, that, that didn't come with no guarantee that I would have another job lined up. It was just something mm-hmm. that I felt like spiritually I needed to do. Um, and then it ended up working out for me by getting this job at Fox and having a business now and literally having a contract with a school district. Like just unbelievable the amount of things that are have happened in my favor. And so I know it's just a matter of time before at least our family are in position where we're starting to be in the further steps other than step one. Um, and so, man, if, if you don't do anything, just just evaluate where you are financially as a person, as, as a family, as a, as an individual, um, and see if, if you are where you want to be, see if, um, see if you're in a position that you want to be in. And if you're not, um, gain up, conjure up the enough strength to be able to say, okay, I want to do something about it. Um, I have information. I have, um, things that I can look up, things that I can read, things that I could do to put me in the right space financially um and you just got to take charge and do it i think that's the biggest thing that you got to do and so uh the advice is out there um please uh, just uh, esteban just want to thank you for giving us this just this great word i can't wait to play this back (laughs) and listen to it again uh because i just know that for you know just having this conversation with you over the last hour or so um being able to really take in this good information that you have hit us with. And I'm excited as I tell you every time for you to buy your house. Cause I'm coming through for the, for the house for me. Cause just knowing how hard you've worked and how much work you've put in to this, um, man, very, very proud of you. Um, and I'm glad I have you as a friend to be able to say, Hey, he did it. So I'm going to continue to fight for it and do it. Um, and I think, what it does for anything, especially because we're both still kind of involved in the community, helping young people. Mm-hmm. Um, it just really sets us up as an example to really set up our students and um, b- not to ramble, but <clears throat> the last one of the biggest conversations that I have with students, especially when I get to talking to my, my brown and black and brown students, mostly brown these days um, in the schools that I work at. Um I'm having real conversations with them about our communities and about the way we grow up and how we don't have to accept that. And that doesn't have to be the norm. Um, and there are so many things set up for us to go and do exactly what these kids get in trouble for smoking weed, 
uh, getting in trouble with drugs and alcohol and um, running the streets, getting in the gangs. Like, I'm t- like it's just it's just things that are set up in our community to keep us in those traps. Um, and if you don't recognize those as traps, like those are the conversations that I'm having with them. And so for us to be examples, for us to have live the life that they have lived and be able to overcome that, man, you don't know how much weight that carries. <laughs> and so thank you. Thank you. Thank you uh, for your knowledge and just spitting that real. And hopefully people can uh, relate and, and, and really take from this episode. Um, yes, sir. And of thank course, you, thank you for sharing your space, man, and appreciate your time and apologize to the audience for rambling off at times. But, you know, it just shows you how, how much love I have for this and dedicated to share the message. But thank you for, for everything, DJ. Appreciate it. You're very welcome, my man. And as as always, you guys can suggest topics uh, for the DJ Inspires podcast. I'm going to keep saying that until people tell me. You know what? It's <laughs> funny. People have told me, um, uh, and I have put some things out there, but I, I, it's always open for suggestions. And I'm, I'm always open to share whatever bit of knowledge that I have or making sure that I get somebody on here who does have the knowledge, like my man Esteban. Um, episode 8, episode 8, I know, oh, wait, I'm sorry, we're already on episode 8. Episode 9, the next episode will be, I love goals, 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 I do, I do. <laughs> little little shout out to jay-z there thank you for tuning in to the dj inspires podcast much love